Welcome to episode 11 of the Search with Canada podcast recorded on Friday the 24th of May. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and I'm joined by my favourite person in PPC, Mr. Rob Lewis. Hello. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about some changes in the actual Google SERP. So it's quite a big story this week in that Google's changing what their core search engine result page looks like in terms of ads and organic. And a little bit of a longer almost feature segment we're going to be talking with rob about google ads click fraud some examples and what you can do about it before we get onto those subjects i just wanted to talk about something i actually saw a few hours before we recorded this podcast which was that the google webmasters twitter account Uh, today, this morning, just tweeted saying, we're looking into a new indexing issue that started escalating six hours ago. The issue is unrelated to yesterday's outage and we're working hard to resolve it. We'll update this thread when we can provide more information. So this tweet is actually referring to yesterday, Google confirmed as well yesterday that they had another issue with indexing pages that seem to be affecting a lot of sites and if you listen to our earlier episodes you'll know we covered issues previously with Google dropping um, a single percent figure of its entire index you know we covered some caching issues you know we covered some issues with rich snippets that Google's been having as well as data loss in search console so yeah, they're really having a bad month, technically. And we, and I said at the time in those episodes, I've, and this is, you know, my personal feelings, I think some people agree, The I find it hard to believe that these issues aren't related, especially as we've just seen the new deployment of their Googlebot service. So this all seems to be happening around the time that they've switched their... Uh, live web crawling Googlebot to this evergreen configuration to keep it in line with Chrome. Um, it may just be a coincidence, but it seems like a big coincidence to me. A few other people have said that they've noticed, you know, in the last 30 days, they seem to have had more problems than they've had in the last several years. So I'll be interested to see if they can they can sort sort these out. That was just kind of a by the by. So if you are having an indexing issues, uh, it may not be your fault. It may be Google's fault this time. And the first thing I wanted to talk about today with you is this new SERP design. There's a post on the Google Webmasters blog uh, or the Google blog, actually not the Webmasters blog. I'll put a link to it in the in the uh, in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk, and it's titled "A New Look for Google Search." And I'll, I'll go through the, the post and just explain to you what uh, what these changes mean. So they say, our goal with search always has been to help people quickly and easily find the information they're looking for. Over the years, the amount and format of information available on the web has changed drastically, from the proliferation of images and video to the availability of 3D objects you can now view in AR, so it's augmented reality. So it was um, the last podcast, no, the one before last when we talked about uh, the new Google 
feature where you're going to be able to view 3D models and augmented reality directly from search results. So that's what they're talking about there. And they go on to say, the search results page two has changed to help you discover these new types of information and quickly determine what's most useful for you. As we continue our ongoing efforts to improve search and provide a modern and helpful experience, today we're unveiling a visual refresh of the mobile search results page to better guide you through the information available on the web. There's a screenshot we'll include on the show notes, but I'm just going to talk you through what these changes are. Google say with this new design, a website's branding can be front and center, helping you better understand where the information is coming from and what pages and what pages have what you're looking for. And by this, they mean, they go and say, the name of the website and its icon, so it's the uh, kind of like the favicon, appear at the top of the results card to help anchor each result. So you can more easily scan the page of results and decide what to explore next. And then they give a helpful link where you can specify your preferred icon for the organic listings. So the way to summarize this is essentially um, favicons are coming to search. So you can choose a, a, a tiny icon and it's going to go next to the name of your site in the in the top of the results card, which, which all sounds good. Um, that's all fine. What is interesting though, and they've put it as the secondary point in the in the blog post, but it's the one I've seen the most conversation about, which is they're changing how ads appear in search. So at the moment, and on their screenshots they show, when you run a Google ad, you get the, uh, the title at the top, and then underneath you get the green ad label, and the uh, URL, green URL under that. Um, so it's, it's the ads kind of we're used to, and these are still really different. Um, I'm sure Rob remembers too, many years ago, Google ads, apart from just having a tiny little uh, kind of green box that said ad, before that it was kind of a full green box that said ad, and way back when it was, it was like the whole background was a different color, right? Yeah. So, We've always seen this slow move towards blending in ads with organic. And I think now from the 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 kind of mock-up they've given of the new search results that the ads look even more blended in. Um, there is essentially some just tiny black text at the top. It's not in a box, just two letters, just says ad <laughs> instead of a favicon, instead of the small image. Uh, I guess they won't technically be called favicons, but I'm going to call them that uh, for now. And then it gives the URL, and then it's on to a what looks like identical listing from then on to a to an organic um, listing. Now, I can I can understand certainly I mean, why Google would want to do this because we we all build up this kind of ad blindness and this this armor to we know what ad look ads look like and a lot of people will skip them when they identify what they are and we've seen many times on different platforms when you change what the adverts look like you at least temporarily get a a spike in the click through rate so i i would imagine this change will at least in the short term see extra revenue generation and I guess this is something probably they've done tests for. Do you think? Do you think it's something they've probably tested? Oh, I'm sure they have. I'm sure they everything they roll out they've tested amongst a small segment of the population, haven't they? If they if it had a lower click through rate, I can't imagine that they would have rolled it out. Mm. So good for Google. 
uh, arguably not as good for consumers in that I think it's helpful to be able to clearly determine which results are ads and which are not. Um, I guess that's it's good if you work in PPC maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that can help to drive more traffic and sales through that channel is great. Um, it's interesting actually because I, I look at the new proposed layout and I see actually that it's a lot easier to see the ad, um, to, to determine that it's an ad because it doesn't have a favicon. So, um, well, the, yeah, the favicon is ad, isn't it? It says ad. Mm. So in my opinion, it's actually a lot clearer to see and differentiate between an ad and an organic listing than it was before. But that's just perhaps because I work mm. on pay-per-click every day. Maybe that's mm. why. So in my mind, it would have led to a, redu- a reduction in click-through rates. But um, I'm guessing that's not going to be the case at all. It'll be interesting to see when this does go live because um, we're obviously running quite a few campaigns. I mm. guess we'll be able to see the historic result yeah. on the on the same ads if they're getting more or less clicks, a higher or lower click-through rate. Um, Google says, this redesign is coming first to mobile and will be rolling out over the next few days. Uh, from that, I can assume it means it's coming to desktop as well because it says it's first coming to mobile. Uh, stay tuned for even more fresh ways search can help you The actionable things from this are that you'll be able to specify a brand image that goes next to your search results. So that I think is going to be definitely something that's going to be worth doing. And we assume that the click-through rate on paid ads will likely, at least in the short, I'm confident in the short term they'll increase. In the long term, it'll be interesting to see how people adapt to to that ad format. Okay, we're going to talk about fraud and we're going to talk about fraud specifically on the Google Display Network. So for if you don't if you don't know what that means, it basically means that if you're running Google Ads, apart from the search results that you can run adverts in, so that's when people do a search and they see a they see an ad, Google has a vast a vast inventory of its own properties and third-party sites that you can show uh, adverts on on a display basis that they call the Google Display Network. And we want to just do a short segment about combating fraud on the display network, which Rob's got an example for. So by fraud on the display network, this is a term we're using for uh, non-genuine clicks. So this may be automated programs that are clicking on adverts to generate revenue for someone else so they're not genuine people seeing your advert and clicking on it because they want to buy something so potentially damaging if you're if you're an advertiser and you get lots of these uh, fake clicks so it's something rob deals with on a pretty much daily basis i guess and i think you've got a good example you want to you want to run through us uh, about click fraud and what what we can do about it sure so Recently, I've been carrying out an investigation into a potential ad fraud case for one of my clients. And during the process of the investigation, I ended up uncovering some really interesting patterns regarding display traffic behavior. And I've always known that the display network is more susceptible to fraud. Um, But unfortunately, recently, I've come to the conclusion that far more spend is being generated by potentially fraudulent traffic than we may realize. When you say the display network is 
um, more susceptible for fraud. I assume that's because we get, you know, the internet's full of bots clicking around on websites and it's just more likely they're going to click on adverts that kind of exist statically on websites rather than they're not, bots aren't going out there as much. So in doing searches on Google and triggering results. Is yeah, right? yeah, or yeah, because search adverts appear when a relevant search query has been typed in and display adverts, as you say, are static. They're always there across um, a plethora of, of, um, of sites and properties. Yeah. Exactly. So, so bots basically aren't doing lots of searches every day. Absolutely. Um, First, a bit of background, I suppose, to set the scene. Um, Last year, back in November 2018, Google, in conjunction with the FBI, helped to investigate and eventually take down a multi-million dollar ad fraud scheme on the Google Display Network. And codenamed Eve, um, it's one of the biggest ad fraud schemes that have ever been uncovered so far. So uh, Eve, Eve with a three, yeah, I see at the beginning. Three just, VE, just to make it difficult. Extra elite. Yes. <laughs> um, so we can, I'm guessing we can leave a link to that article yeah, in the podcast. Sure. Um, millions and millions of fraudulent ad spend was generated by Eve when it was running at its peak. And I'm going to read a snippet of text, just directly quoting Google, um, when they came out publicly about the scheme. So this is what Google said. Codenamed Eve, the operation used sophisticated tactics aimed at exploiting data centers, computers infected with malware, spoofed fraudulent domains, and fake websites. In aggregate, Eve produced more than 10,000 spoofed fraudulent domains and generated over 3 billion daily bid requests at its peak. Just to explain that website owners and publishers earn money for any traffic or impressions that they generate if they're part of the Google Display Network. So Eve was a way of driving fraudulent revenue for publishers, which could be potentially a lot of money if you can get away with it. So it said, when you said um, produce more than 10,000 spoofed fraudulent domains generating 3 billion clicks, I'm assuming this means that through computers infected etc these are kind of fake sites they've set up as well so they they they've set up this isn't necessarily targeting websites that are running ads themselves it's that the fraudsters set up fake websites to show your customers banners on absolutely in fact i could give you an example of something that happens time and time again on every single display campaign i've ever managed which is that let's just say you're running a remarketing campaign. So you don't really mind where the ads are showing as long as it's showing to the right people. You start seeing traffic appear on torch flashlight apps. And you think those flashlight apps, I've looked at the data, they've never converted because people have accidentally clicked on the ads. So you exclude the flashlight app. And then the next day you have two more flashlight apps appear with a slightly different name, a slightly different app name that's been submitted to the Google Play Store. So you're continually excluding these low quality placements. Um, So I'd imagine that Eve operated in a very similar way in which it continually automatically generated and submitted all sorts of dubious placements that were low quality and ultimately um, not valuable at all for advertisers. I could talk and talk and talk about how good the display network is because it's such an excellent channel for raising brand awareness. It's, you know, it's brilliant for remarketing. Um, And, 
you know, I quite often see it used to a lot of success. Sometimes it performs better than search. Um, but any pay-per-click manager who's worked with a client who has invested many hundreds and thousands of pounds into display activity will tell you that it's the potential for wasted spend is immense, um, particularly if it's not monitored closely, just, just as with any digital marketing activity, I suppose. But I once had a client who was a lead generation business-to-business client and they came to us to manage their display network spend. And when we bought them on, they'd spent close to half a million pounds in one year just on display advertising traffic alone. And the reason they kept investing the money into display is because their Google Ads conversion data seemed to suggest that the campaign was generating hundreds of leads per month for them, all from display traffic. Um, And in this particular example, it was live chat requests, which were their most valuable um, source of leads at the time. To cut a long story short, because I I know we only have limited time on these podcasts, um, the leads from these display campaigns turned out to be spam. Every single one of them from their display traffic, which is such a sad tale when you think about the amount of money they've spent on it. And as I investigated it in more detail, the types of placements that were generating traffic and spend were mostly really dubious sites, like talking about virtual private networks, flashlights, chat apps that no one has ever heard of before with really high click-through rates. And a pattern began to emerge as to the types of sites that were generating all of the spend and all of these strange live chat conversions. Um, Now, because the client hadn't been tracking their lead quality very closely or importing their after-sales information back into Google Ads, all they did was focus on these conversion figures from Google Ads that they were seeing every month. So when when you say lead quality, normally in a Google Ads campaign, it's really easy just to check when you're getting an inquiry or a phone call or a live chat request. And by quality i assume you're defining this as you've got a lead and then further down so if it's tracked in a crm you're tracking whether it turns into something valuable as a sale or a customer right yeah cool. absolutely yeah so um for a lot of campaigns um a lot of clients don't have that visibility they can only see that a lead was generated which is what was happening in this case um they weren't firing information back into google ads to say this lead was qualified um, it was further qualified as a potential sale and then it turned into a sale. They didn't have that ability. Um, and so. So that's probably something worth thinking about if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to generate leads and you're using paid media to do so, that it is possible to hook up your kind of your full CRM, your full funnel with Google Ads so you can track which ones turn into actual sales rather than just track track quantity so that should be on your checklist of things to look at so for this particular client they had spent half a million pounds on conversions which it turned out didn't generate any actual leads at all it was just spam when we investigated the actual leads from their customer relationship system it was just filled with gobbledygook essentially and just to add that the types of display campaigns they were running were automated smart display campaigns, which is a fully automated solution that Google offers, wherein it automatically optimizes the account to find more conversions at the lowest cost. In this case, it had focused entirely on 
conversions. Quantity, right? Yeah, just yeah. quantity of leads. It didn't care about the quality of the leads. There was no human decision-making involved. It was a fully automated solution. Assuming that would work better if they'd set up the goal as a quality lead rather than just a lead, right? The short answer to that is yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't but not necessarily. Okay. Um, I'm going to stick with the yes. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, it's a very serious matter how the client spend had been able to get so high, but they hadn't examined the lead data and the quality of those leads and they hadn't investigated it. So they or their agency should probably have been monitoring the quality of those leads and questioning it before they continued to invest another £250,000 into display advertising. Um, well, they knew they had a spam problem. They just they didn't know where it was coming from. So these experiences with the display network, I have quite a few of these experiences, unfortunately. They make me ensure that I'm always very cautious about spending money on behalf of clients on the display network. Um, like I say, it's a great channel and it can work, but you have to plan it carefully and you have to assume that there's going to be a lot of low quality traffic. So moving on from there, I'd like to tell you about a new bidding method that Google introduced last year called pay for conversions. Just just for that. So, I mean, I've used other display networks apart from the Google one. And, I, you know, you're absolutely right. I You, you take it as par for course, there's going to be spam traffic. But do you think on average, I mean, I get the feeling that while there is, you know, if, uh, there is definitely fake traffic on Google, it seems to be a bit better in terms of a slightly lower percentage than than other networks I've used. Because other networks I've had, you know, 50% plus fake traffic, which makes my first port of call always the Google Display Network and sometimes just the Google Display Network. But then that means you put all of your spend in there. So even if you've got 5, 10, 20% fake traffic, that ends up like a big number, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It all adds up in the long term you know how much money do you want to invest in fake traffic well none at the end of the day um and i think um any marketing activity you're carrying out whether it's display whether it's social media uh, advertising always make sure that your analytics setup is accurate that the traffic that you're logging reflects the actual traffic that's arriving on your website that way you can look at the actual volume of people who have visited your site um, and analyze their engagement and make sure that actually you are driving the traffic that your display network is reporting to you. So pay for, pay for conversions. Pay for conversions. Um, it's probably old news actually for a lot of people listening, but um, last year Google introduced pay for conversions as a bidding model which allows you to drive traffic for free on the display network and you only pay when a conversion is generated. Um, essentially, you set the amount that you want to pay for each conversion and Google does the rest and it will honor the cost that you set. And when I heard about this, I was so over the moon because it's a no-risk display test. So we can come up with a display advertising campaign and it's completely risk-free for the client. They will only pay when conversions are generated and they will only pay the amount that they want to pay. Or so I thought. <laughs> um, dun, dun, dun. Um, so I decided to try this out for a lead generation client of mine in the tourism industry and they already had a really successful search campaign which comprised the vast majority of their leads. But I wanted to find a new source of leads for them. And this was just the perfect opportunity to use a display network in a risk-free manner. 
So the client and I agreed an initial spend and we set a cost per conversion. And I put together a very tightly focused display campaign that targeted the core audience. And I used Google's custom intent audience approach, which we've discussed before, um, in order to do this. And 24 hours later, we were very, very excited when we looked in the campaign and we noticed overnight that it had generated many conversions um, at the agreed amount of spend, which was about a thousand pounds for the initial test. And the cost per conversion target we set was 50 pounds. So we generated 20 leads from that at a cost per conversion of 50 pounds, which was on target. And it, you know, the results when we looked at them looked fantastic. Good news, right? No, <laughs> no, it wasn't Mark. Um, we decided to look at the actual quality of the leads before we carried on spending anymore. Um, and every single one of those 20 leads from the display campaign was spam. Um, I looked at the users in Google Analytics and the behavior of all of these users was really questionable. They just seemed to arrive on the website from the display ads. And then a few mo moments later, they tended to just head straight to the thank you page, which was what we were using to- <laughs> As you do. Yeah, exactly. There was no- um, intermittent, there was no intermediary step. They, they weren't even researching the product. It was just arrive on the page, go to the thank you page, leave the site. And in many cases, they just kept interacting with the display campaign over and over again. Now, what was really annoying aside from that was that the, the spam that came through was just totally nonsensical. It wasn't even selling SEO. It wasn't selling anything. It was just... It was just gobbledygook spam. And the only reason I can think of the lead being generated was for users to, to carry out some ad fraud. So this, this means basically the, the motivation could only have been that someone's getting money for generating those conversions, those clicks. That's how I look at it. That's yeah. how I take it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not happy about this because I, I make use of the display campaign for many clients and this here... Herein, we, we set up a campaign on a pay-for-conversions model and the client paid £1,000 for conversions that weren't actually conversions. It was just fake traffic and fake leads. So I decided to get in touch with Google. So first of all, I, I collated all of the spam inquiries which came through, um, all of which were derived from this one display campaign. I logged the GCLID for each inquiry. So the GCLID is the unique identifier for the click that came from Google Ads. That's right. right. So yeah. from that ID, you can tell uh, which ad, which keyword, etc. they clicked on. Yeah, and I'm pretty certain Google can track back the ISP data of that user, yeah. where they're based in the world and all sorts of What's things. in their black box. Absolutely. I made sure I took detailed screenshots of the spam traffic that I'd uncovered in Google Analytics and I also included the ISP data of those visits as well. And note that nearly every one of those spam leads came from the same ISP service, a really dubious looking one whose name I shan't mention. <laughs> so I had this information and I emailed Google's click fraud investigation team. Um, and I assumed that given that the actual spam itself provided very strong evidence of ad fraud, that they would welcome the intelligence, refund the cost to my client, and block that particular ISP from doing it again. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And I have had a very long email exchange with the ad fraud team 
um, in which they told me that Google's network is 100% safe and it automatically removes such fraudulent ad costs. Um, the conversation is still ongoing, but as of yet, there has been no refund. There's very few things in life that are 100%. This is true. So it reminds me of those, uh, like that car company that went on Twitter recently and said their car was 100% unhackable. And I think it was like 48 hours <laughs> before it had been compromised. You're just baiting people when you say that. <laughs> Um, so I know you use, so you use Google Analytics uh, to try and ascertain what traffic isn't useful, what is actually fake or fraudulent for your clients, um, and you do that via a segment. If I if I'm right, and we have, mm-hmm. I mean, we have got refunds from the Google Ads team before, where we've proactively identified fake traffic for clients. So. I think if you want to sort of maybe share how you do that, it might be quite useful. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously the first indicator that you're getting fake traffic are dubious leads. If you get all sorts of spam come through um, and it makes no sense, always have a look and find out where it's coming from because if it's coming from your pay-per-click activity, just remember that spam that you're paying to receive, which you don't want. So following on the um, the pay-for-conversions um incident, I decided to take a look at the actual patterns involved. So I use a segment which helps me to identify um, potentially fraudulent traffic from the display network. And what I found was that with a lot of these um, potentially spammy um, visits that come through display, they all seem to have the same type of behavior, which is that they generate multiple visits from display normally at least three visits from the same user. So that user has clicked on a display advert at least three times. And they seem to interact with no other channel other than display, which in itself is highly suspicious. When I drill down into these particular users with that segment, an interesting pattern seems to emerge, which is that many of them have an unnaturally high average session duration, which is a metric pay-per-click managers look at as an indicator of traffic quality. Um, so the higher, the better. Unfortunately, in this case, it's certainly not not so. When I look at these people, what happens is that many of these bots or these people who are clicking on a display ads will just visit one page on the site and then several minutes later refresh the page, which removes the bounce and increases the session duration. So this makes it look on the surface at least like you're getting good traffic. Yeah. So people at the very top level in Google Analytics, they will look at their channels and go, well, our site's average session duration is four minutes. Mm, but the, the bounce average... rate's low. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, that's something you have to bear in mind as well. And the third observation was that the spam lead traffic often heads straight to the thank you page after arriving on the site without any intermediary steps. Um, And this is particularly so if there's no capture form in place and the user doesn't have to fill in all of the details on the contact form. It may be that they're just literally scouring the website for a thank you URL and heading straight there as well. Mm. Unfortunately, when I look at this segment, I've found some accounts where up to 30% of users from the display campaign comprise people from within this segment. Now, I'm not saying that absolutely every visitor from this segment is fraudulent, um, but it's a very high indicator. And certainly, I haven't seen so far any valuable leads generated from this particular segment when I run it. 
And as, as you said, Mark, you know, Google does proactively remove fraudulent clicks. So it might be that some of the traffic that you're looking at, if you decide to run such a segment, is actually has actually been refunded. To summarize what, I, what I've been talking about, um, you just have to be hyper vigilant, um, especially if you're a lead generation website. Always make a point of, if you can, importing your after sales data back into Google Ads so you can see which campaigns have the lowest lead to sale rate. And I'm afraid to say most of the time it is display that has the lowest lead to sale rate. Um, so always question the quality of the conversions that you're getting from your display activity, which is obviously a lot easier if you have a CRM system in place, which can capture the source of the lead for you. Wow, that was really useful. Uh, we've gone on a little bit longer than usual, but hopefully you've got some value from it. Our next episode is going out, of course, next Monday on the 3rd of June. You can get all of the links, screenshots, etc., of everything we've talked about on the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. Of course, please subscribe if you're enjoying it, or if you hate it and think it's rubbish, give me some feedback. And I hope you all have a great week. 